his son and uh, to look to his word for guidance for how we are to live his life if uh, how we are to live our lives if uh, if you think back in in talking about looking to God's word for guidance a few Wednesday nights ago I think it was uh, maybe when we had singing night uh, for the invitation I talked a little bit about uh, the importance of us having a love for God's Word. And we looked at uh, Psalms 119, just just a few verses from that book or from that chapter uh, about David and how he viewed God's Word and how much he cherished it and relied upon it uh, and thought about it and, and dwelt on it. And um, this morning we're going to kind of... Uh, pick up from there and and go in in a similar direction uh but but try to develop that a little bit more uh in and along the lines of trusting in the lord and not in ourselves or not on our own understanding uh if you'll turn to proverbs chapter 3 uh is, is kind of the jumping off point for this lesson proverbs chapter 3 we're going to read the first 12 verses Okay. It says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. And so... About midways through that, uh, we find this passage. This is a fairly familiar uh, passage. We see it a lot. In fact, it's written on the front of my Bible cover. Uh, this trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Uh, and so that's really going to be the, the topic of the, of the lesson this hour and, and uh, Gary's going to follow up uh, next hour long those same lines and so as we think about how easy it is for us to trust in other things um what comes to mind you know in the life we live we're we're very eager oftentimes to just trust in two things i would say most of the time we want to trust in ourselves and if we don't trust in ourselves a lot of times we want to trust in the wisdom of this world right we want to just kind of look at it well what was what does the world think is the right thing to do or the best way to go in this situation and and that's not what god's people are to do uh and and we're going to talk about that and look at some passages about that this morning uh his word uh tells us to trust in him and not trust in ourselves do not lean on our own understanding is what that passage we just read said and so uh, as we as we look at this, we're going to 
basically consider three different, uh, I guess, topics along these lines. Uh, but but be thinking about the fact that, that God's words serve not only as a path to salvation for us, but they offer, also offer us endless amounts of wisdom uh, pertaining to things in this life and how to navigate this life successfully as, as one of his children. Um, Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 26 says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. And so, you know, warning after warning about uh, the, the peril of trusting in our own hearts uh, and trusting in ourselves. And uh, just wanted to keep those things in mind as we go through this. You know, the, the number one place for us to get wisdom uh, whether we're talking about spiritually or just earthly wisdom, the number one place to get it is right here in our hands. Uh, it's God's Word. And the the first, uh, I guess, topic or realm that I want to talk about, uh, trusting God's wisdom over over our own wisdom, is, is really about things uh, that pertain to this life in general, just general everyday stuff uh, and, and facts about life. Uh, that God has given us wisdom about in His Word. Uh, and I think that sometimes we don't take uh, full advantage of the tool He's given us as we navigate our lives. Uh, there's, again, a ton of good advice, uh, good life advice in Scriptures uh, for, for how to be successful and, and go about uh, living a successful and productive life uh, while we're here on this earth. Uh, let's... Just think of a few verses here, and I've got them all printed off, but these are just a few of many, many tidbits of wisdom about this life that I wanted us to think about. In Matthew chapter 5, in verse 25, in the Sermon on the Mount, one thing there that Jesus gives us that's a bit of wisdom, talks about agree with your adversary quickly. Uh, and and why is that? Jesus, you know, basically says, do that because it will be less trouble for you in the long run. It, you know, if you are willing to try to come to an agreement, uh, even with the one you're against, quickly uh, and get past that and move on, it will be better for you in the long run. And so that again, there, there's there's tidbits throughout all of Scripture of things like that that'll help us in this life. Proverbs 22 and verse seven. Uh, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. All right, so that's a, a good bit of wisdom there for us in this life. Um, this fact that, that becoming loaded with debt uh, can entangle you and, and, and take up a lot of your life because you become slave to the lender. You become slave to paying those notes and, and to uh, addressing uh, the, the money that you owe. And so... Um, you know that again is wisdom to be successful in this life to to avoid uh, debt and and avoid those things that can entangle you and and cause you to be slave of of those type things. Proverbs twenty two, uh, starting in verse twenty four, it says, "Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare." All right, and so again. Good life wisdom. Is it smart for us or wise for us to hang around and be friends with people who are quickly 
angered and people who, who fly hot and, and fly off the handle real quick. According to God, uh, we shouldn't be friends with those kind of people. Uh, we shouldn't go with a wrathful person. We shouldn't be hanging out with those because we can become entangled in that um, and, and it can do us harm. The next verse in Proverbs 22, verse 26 says, Be not one of those who gives pledges, who put up security for debt. All right, so again, another wise thing for us in life. You know, don't be one who puts up security for debt. You know, don't be a co-signer. Uh, those, that, those type of things can get you into trouble and, 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 and financial problems in this life. Uh, Proverbs 15.1, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Uh, Proverbs 17, verse 28, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. <clears throat> and so over and over again, and again, you, you know, you could do the entire lesson on things like this. Wisdom tidbits from the scriptures about uh, how to carry ourselves in this life that will be a benefit to us. And, and we're not going to spend uh, the entire uh, time looking at these things, but <clears throat> just wanted to, to, to look at, it, at, at these few and, and realize that there's various instructions like these all throughout the Bible, and, and these are a tool for us if we will trust in them, right? Uh, does it do us any good to just... Read these and say, yeah, that's a good idea, but when the time comes, we don't use them in our lives. That's not going to help us at all. Um, we have to, to put these to practice and trust in them enough to, to apply them in our lives and to use them, and, and then uh, we will reap the benefits of those things. Many of these things uh, that, that we just read and some of the other stuff we're going to look at in the next couple of sections are really total opposites of the world's wisdom, right? Uh, the wisdom that God gives us is oftentimes 180 degrees from the wisdom of this world. And God declares that about himself and about his wisdom in his word. You know, my ways are not your ways. Uh, and so, you know, we should know that, that the wisdom we find in his word is not going to match up with the wisdom of the world oftentimes. It's going to be something different. Um, but we have to choose to trust, right? We have to choose to, to trust in him and his wisdom and not in ourselves and in the wisdom of the world uh, if, if we want to be successful uh, as a servant of his. The uh, second area that I wanted to look at some passages about along the lines of trusting in his wisdom and his and not in our own is really along the lines of his commandments so a lot of those proverbs uh, that we just read are not necessarily commandments right they're tidbits of wisdom some of them are commandments like the sermon on the mount uh, but but a lot of what we find like in proverbs about the the um uh, being slave to the lender, uh, those type things. They're not necessarily commandments. They're just wise things that if you'll go by those, it'll be good for you. But we do have commandments and teachings in the Bible uh, that, that we have to basically 
have a trust in God to follow. Otherwise, it's going to be hard for us to do those things. Um, are there some commandments that make sense to us? I would say yes. Uh, some of the commandments, you know, you've got stuff like, thou shalt not bear false witness, or thou shalt not murder, or thou shalt not commit adultery. I mean, nobody's really going to want to argue with any of those, right? That just, in general, at large, society, you know, considers all of those things wrong, and so there's really a no-brainer for most folks to, when you read that commandment, you're like, okay, no problem there, I know that's wrong to do, um... And and I'm going to, you know, follow those commandments. Not much temptation to do anything differently. But there are other commandments that I would say are harder ones for us to follow. And, and oftentimes they're hard for us to follow because they may not make sense to us in our minds. And, and that's where we really have to not trust in our understanding. Um, Matthew chapter 5, back to the Sermon on the Mount. I'll read a couple of sections there. Starting in verse 38, it says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Skip down a few verses and pick up in verse 43. uh, Another section there, it says, You've heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. All right, so both of those are are kind of similar commandments from Jesus. Um, They both deal with not returning evil for evil and not getting revenge for ourselves when someone does us wrong. And is that something that is generally the wisdom of the world? It's not. What does the world tell us? When someone does you wrong, get them back. Do them wrong more, right? Uh, If someone's your enemy, do harm to them, or you certainly don't do any good for them, right? They're they're your enemy working against you. Why would you do anything good for them? You know, that's the wisdom of the world, and that's really the wisdom of, of us as humans in general. That seems to be the way we generally are, that our nature is such that we, when someone harms us, we want to get them back, but... We have these commandments right here that Jesus is telling us. You know, when when someone does you wrong, don't resist that person. Don't retaliate to that person. Uh, If someone's your enemy, do good for them instead of bad. Uh, And so, you know, when we see these commandments, they don't really make sense to us. And they're not easy for us to follow, right? But what do we have to do? We, We have to basically not lean on our own understanding and instead lean on the wisdom of God and the instructions and teachings uh, that God's given us if we're going to to be uh, successful in being pleasing to Him. I would say, you know, that, again, those are some hard things to do, but I would say that there's things harder than that for us to do. You know, I think we can we can train ourselves to, to, to be this way that we just look, looked at about not retaliating. But uh, as you continue to look at scriptures, I think you can find commandments and things that are even harder to follow that take take more trust in God, more faith in God. Uh, and and a couple of things that come to mind, uh, there is, if you look a little bit before that in Matthew chapter 5, uh, talking about a divorce. It says, it, 
starting in verse 31. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So we we get to these situations like this that, that are almost like another level of hard in my mind. Uh, when people find themselves in situations uh, where they uh, may have gotten divorced uh, for reasons other than what the Scripture allow, or they may have gotten remarried when the Scriptures do not allow them to get remarried because of uh, the reasons that they were divorced. You know, what are we tempted to do oftentimes? We're tempted to, to come up with go-arounds and, and unusual circumstances to try to make room for us to still be able to do what we think is the good and right thing to do instead of just trusting in what God has commanded and, and doing things uh, the way that God has commanded us to do. You know, another thing uh, that comes to mind along these lines as, as a commandment that is hard for us or a commandment that may not uh, line up with what we think uh, makes sense always is this idea of, of church discipline. You know, we have a lot of verses uh, in the New Testament that indicate uh, that, that church discipline is something uh, that, that will have to be practiced from time to time. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 17, uh, this is along the section of, of uh, where Jesus is, is talking about how to deal with someone who has done you wrong. Uh, just going to read the last uh, end of that section. But in verse 17 it says, If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 5, talking about the man uh, in the congregation there who had his father's wife, uh, it says, you are, deliver this man, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Romans 16, in verse 17, I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught and avoid them. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 14, it says, If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. And so, again, this isn't a lesson about church discipline, um, but just bring that up uh, is another thing or another area that sometimes it can be very hard for us uh, to not lean on our own understanding. Oftentimes, uh, when we think about church discipline, our, our understanding in our minds and, and the understanding of the world would be, you know, uh, to continue to allow that person to, to hang around and, and maybe they'll come around and do right. Uh, whereas God's wisdom says, you know, if someone is not going to do right, it'll come a time when they have to be disciplined. And so... Uh, again, are we going to follow God's commandments and just trust and obey Him, or are we going to stick with our own wisdom and lean on our own understanding? It can be difficult uh, at times to, to put our thoughts to the side and, and just trust in Him. <clears throat> the third uh, and final uh, part that I wanted to talk about uh, along the lines of trusting in God and and not in our own understanding is along the lines of salvation. Uh, and so, 
know, really, if you believe that there is a God, if you believe that, that God created this earth, that we get our moral instructions and rules from our Creator, He's the one that has the authority, uh, then there's really only only two choices for where we can come up with to learn what to do to be saved, right? Uh, Luke chapter 20, uh, verses 3 and 4, uh, basically in Jesus in a conversation he was having with the Pharisees and Sadducees there, um, indicates that there's really only two sources of authority, right? Uh, it's heaven or man. Uh, and Jesus answered them and said, I will ask you a question. Now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? All right, so Jesus is in that verse basically indicating there's two sources where we can find out about anything religious, either from heaven or from man, right? And, you know, you can see throughout the whole Bible that that mankind uh, forever... Uh, has been coming up with different ways and different ideas about God and serving God uh, throughout time. And, and, you know, that mankind has been able to get off track very easily over and over again, all from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. We see that. Uh, And so, you know, this is something that we really have to make a concerted effort to trust in our understanding and not in our understanding, but in God's word about what to do to be pleasing to him, what to do uh, to get the salvation that he's offered. In Galatians chapter 1, this is just one place of many that we can see uh, people who are, uh, I guess, wandering away from God's wisdom and, and, and going towards the wisdom of the world or trusting in their own understanding. But in Galatians chapter 1, this is uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the Christians there in Galatia. And he says, I am astonished that you are so, starting in verse 6, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, now I say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. And so what what is Paul saying to the Galatians? He's saying there's only one way, right? Uh, and and the, the, there's this one way, and if there's any other way that comes along different than that, you know, that's not the right way. And so that should be something uh, comforting to us in a sense that we can know if I can find that one way, I've got it, right? Uh, that's the way that I need to go. Uh, and again, you know, throughout time and, and throughout the, the New Testament and throughout today, we can see... Uh, instance after instance of of mankind trusting in their selves and trusting in their own knowledge and and again think back to that passage in Luke chapter twenty. Uh, now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Think about those two options and and realize, you know that that if it's from man, if if anything we're doing religiously is something we're we're coming up with from man and not from God and from his word, then it's something that's not going to be right. 
And again, we've there's there's false ideas been coming up all throughout time, and still today you've you've got just a multitude of doctrines, right? Uh, you've got ideas that that once a person is saved, they can never lose that salvation. You've got Calvinism and Catholicism and various denominations. You've got uh, the the sinner's prayer. You've got just a whole list of of things that have really come from man. That when you get to digging in God's word and looking for those things in God's word, you're not going to be able to find them. And so, again, are we going uh, to look to heaven, to God, for the solutions for salvation? Or are we going to look to man and, and trust in our own understanding? <clears throat> you know, we can either come up with things on our own, or we can simply trust what the one gave us who created us. The, the one who gets uh, to, to define what salvation is. Really, if you think about it, if you believe in God uh, and, and you believe he's your creator and you believe that he can punish you for not uh, having your sins gone by the end of your life, basically, if you want to think about it that way, then there, there's really only one place that you can look to to find out how to get those sins removed. You know, they're... Without God and, and the teachings of God, there wouldn't even be sin. If he didn't say, thou shalt not lie, you know, and then there wouldn't be the sin of lying, right? The Bible's clear about that. Without law, there is no sin, right? And so uh, he's given us laws and commandments and, and rules to follow, and he's also given us the information that tells us that, you know, we are going to sin and fail him. And when that happens... This is what I've done to give you a way to wash away those sins and to be uh, forgiven of those sins. And so there's really the, the only true way that we can, can know what to do is from him and to get that information from him, not from our, our own eyes, not from what we think, not from what others tell us. And so you know, our attitude has to be such that, that we consider... God's Word, the, the only source and place to, to learn about what to do to be saved. When we come, turn, I only have one example uh, in my lesson, but turn back to 2 Kings. <clears throat> the story of Naaman, a story, that's a story a lot of people uh, here will be familiar with. 2 Kings chapter 5. And I just, I use this story as an illustration for how we oftentimes can be when, when we come upon a situation, a commandment or a teaching uh, that, that we may not understand or like, and we would prefer to lean on our own understanding uh, instead of God's. And I feel like this story of Naaman is a, a very good story that illustrates uh, that. Starting of Second Kings chapter five. I'm in chapter six. That's why I don't see Naaman. Let's just read starting in verse one. It says, "Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the sight of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper." All right, and so we, we learn right there, here's the, the character of the story, Naaman, he has a problem, he has leprosy. 
Um, and the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back a captive, a young girl from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. So the king of of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And so he departed, and he took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel and said, Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. All right, and so skip down a few verses. Naaman ends up going to the prophet Elisha. Um, in verse 8 it says, So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went down with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and be washed in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman came, became furious, and he went away, and he said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farfar, the rivers in Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I have not washed in them and been clean? So he turned away and went in a rage. Okay, and so there's Naaman coming to get cleansed of his leprosy. And he gets some instructions that don't fit what's in his head, right? It's not what he thinks should be done to heal him of this leprosy. And so he has a choice. Is, is he going to... Uh, trust in his own understanding or is he going to trust in uh, the the prophet and the instructions given to him by the prophet? At this point in the story, he's trusting in his own understanding, right? He doesn't like the commandments. They don't make sense to him. I'm not doing that. That's not going to do me any good and I'm mad about it. <clears throat> Verse 13, And his servants came near and they spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and he dipped in seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. So thankfully in this story, Naaman's servants recognized that, hey, yeah, it may not make sense, but if, if he had told you to do something great and hard, you, you would have been willing to do that. Why not do this simple thing that you've been told to do and receive uh, the blessing that comes with that? And, and so, you know, Naaman relents and does that. And, and I think that that, again, is just a good example for how we are, a good illustration of how we can be, right? If we don't understand something, if we don't like it, we bristle up against it and, and, and we want to do uh, what we understand to be the right thing instead of just simply trusting in what we are told to do and, and following those commandments. And so, you know, God's uh, word is not really unclear about what we need to do to be saved. There, there's instructions about it in the New Testament. There's teachings that, that are easy to understand. 
there's examples of people being saved and and we can see what did they do to be saved and and all we have to do uh, is not lean on our understanding or what we think we need to do to be saved just simply look at what God's word says and and understand that you know first we have to to understand and believe that we have sinned right uh, and and that without that forgiveness of sin, we will be condemned at the end of this life and, and, and the end of this age. We'll be condemned at judgment if we don't have forgiveness of our sins. Uh, once we realize that we have sinned and, and that our soul's in jeopardy, we have to believe and confess uh, that God sent His Son and that His Son came to this earth and lived a perfect life and chose to be a perfect sacrifice on the cross and to shed His blood to wash away the sins that we've committed so that we can have the opportunity for forgiveness of our sins. We, we must believe and confess those things. We have to repent of the sins we've committed, right? We can't uh, ask God to forgive us of something when we're not willing to, to repent of those things and to quit doing those things. Uh, and so we have to repent of the sins we've committed and turn away from those sins. And then finally we see all throughout the book of Acts uh, when people did these steps, uh, the next thing they did is that they were baptized to wash away the sins that they had committed and that this baptism uh, was part of God's plan for salvation. Uh, we have to be buried with Him in baptism. It's a symbolic burial uh, where we are buried in the grave of water and then we come up washed and clean uh, new in God's sight and and, and uh, without sin in God's sight. And then, you know, after that, we have to live a life faithful to Him. We see, just like the passage we read uh, in Galatians, those were Christians He was writing to, but what was what can we glean from that except that, you know, those were Christians who were going in the wrong way. They were, they were steering in a direction of not being faithful to God. Uh, and... You know, that, that is one of the requirements. After our sins are washed away, we have to continue living a life faithful to Him, striving to become more and more like His Son. And, and, and that is God's plan for how we are saved. That's His plan of salvation. That's what people did uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, you know, example after example. That's how people obtained salvation. That's how people became clean in God's sight. And so... You know, the question for us is, do we have enough trust in God uh, to simply just follow what He says and, and to do uh, what's in His Word? Whether it is uh, becoming uh, a Christian for the first time or whether it's living a life faithful to Him after we've become a Christian and, and uh, following those examples that, that He's given us uh, and instructions that He's given us and trusting in His wisdom instead of our own wisdom, uh, you know, that that is really the choice that we have before. So are we going to trust ourselves or are we going to trust God? And so uh, this morning I wanted to end by, by reading uh, right where we had started the lesson back in Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verses, just going to read verses 1 through 8, uh, and then after we read that, the lesson will be yours and uh, we would invite anyone who may have a need to let that uh, be known as we sing. But let's read uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. It says again, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. 
Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Again, if if you have a need here this morning that we can help with, uh, we're about to sing uh, the song number 326, Trust and Obey, uh, which fits very well with what we've been talking about. And we certainly invite anyone who has a need to let that be known as we stand and sing this song.